This is the Illinois. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Patrick Fingston. Welcome to our weekly uh, live stream and podcast here uh, on the Illinois. So glad to have you all joining us, whether you're on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, or wherever you may find us. We uh, try and do this every week on Wednesdays at noon. So we have a little lunchtime conversation with, with people in the news, making news, making the laws, talking about the laws, etc. Uh, also getting some perspective from our friends uh, around around different corners of media. So coming up, we'll talk to Representative Mark Batnick from Plainfield. He's leaving the legislature at the end of this term. And uh, I know for those of us that like the sane, likable, accessible politician, uh, we'll be sad to see him go. We'll also uh, have Ted McClellan on the phone. He is a writer for Chicago Magazine, occasionally drives me completely crazy with the things he writes. So uh, he's got a new piece out on Darren Bailey and the cultural divide between Bailey and the rest of the state, at least, uh, but definitely uh, along with the city. And uh, subscribers today got a piece on what's actually in this new criminal reform law uh, that was passed at 5 a.m. in the Senate uh, in, in early 2021 and, and literally in the House just a couple of minutes before the legislature was set to adjourn for good, right as uh, Chris Welch was was elected speaker in early 2021. There continues to be some concern on both sides of the aisle, from prosecutors, from, from law enforcement, from many different sides, that the law isn't ready yet. I'll just read you a couple of lines here from our story this morning. There are a few more controversial topics in state government today than the January 1 rollout of the new criminal justice law that ends the long-standing cash bail system in Illinois. Multiple prosecutors and police groups have been raising alarms over the law known informally as the Safety Act. Quote, the biggest problem I see with the law is that there are categories of offenses for which, even if defendant is a real threat to the public, they cannot be detained based on the actual charge, said DuPage County State's Attorney Bob Berlin, a Republican. The legislature has given us an entirely new system to work with, let's acknowledge, absolutely little to no input from us, the people who have to make this work, said Democratic State's Attorney Julia Reitz uh, from Champaign County. They say, they'll say they say we had input at four in the morning, maybe we had some input, but we did not sit down and say this is how it will work. So what's actually in the bill? Well, we went through quite a few different provisions that are actually laid out in statute. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker said earlier this month that what we don't want is for someone who's in jail because they've been arrested for low-level offenses to be held in jail for months, maybe even years, because they don't have $200 or $300 to put up for bail, Pritzker said at an unrelated news conference. I think we can all agree that's not fair. Prosecutors agree with the governor to a point. Uh, none of us want that. We all agree on that. We absolutely don't want somebody being held in custody on a lower level offense for months or years. I mean, years? Shame on us. We should get sued, Reed said. I can only speak for Champaign County. I can't speak for Cook County. But if that's what's happening there, you blow up the entire system for the rest of the state. Tell me where it's happening. Berlin says most of the inmates at the DuPage County Jail are in custody for serious offenses. And he said it was just a handful that are in for lower level offenses. I talked to uh, State Senator Robert Peters this morning. We'll put the uh, full interview up on our YouTube channel here in a little bit uh, and in our story on the Illinois.com. I asked him if Democrats got this right. Yes, this bill is, is very much right. Um, what we've done is moved away from, uh, particularly in the cash bail side, we moved away from a system based off of wealth and money uh, to a system based off of safety and threat. Uh, it's why it has the support of so many victims' rights organizations, particularly in domestic violence and sexual assault. 
It's why the Illinois Coalition Against Domestic Violence said that this is criminal justice reform that puts survivor safety first. Um, as someone who works and lives in an area uh, of the state where I have to interact with violence on a regular basis and have to deal with the trauma and pain that survivors go through, uh, I think first and foremost, changing our system away from how much money you have in your wallet or how much money you have in your bank account to whether you're a threat to another person uh, is an important and vital reform when it comes to reimagining public safety in our state. Well, clearly there's some difference between the two sides when, when you get on that, uh, that issue. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If the legislature is going to make any changes to it in veto session or we're at a lame duck session, I guess we'll have to see. But there are still a lot of questions that remain as we head into the opening of, of this law when it goes into effect uh, in January. It's interesting to see the two sides of the argument. Police obviously have been pretty vocal in their frustration about what's in this law and, and what it does to them. There are some that call it anti-police. Peters disagreed with that assessment, as you can imagine. It will be interesting to see how it moves on from here. And let's welcome in now State Representative Mark Batnick. He's a Republican from Plainfield. Does this law actually improve public safety? Well, I think if I think if they thought they got it right, which I think is the term that he used, we wouldn't have had two, three, four trailer bills and be talking about some other trailer bills to uh, uh, to, to fix it. So uh, for those of you who don't know what a trailer bill is, which I assume everybody watching this probably does. But for those of you who don't, it's basically fixes because something was missed in legislation or it was done improperly. So we've already had multiple trailer bills. I expect there's going to be continued tra continue trailer bill. So I would say it's pretty, uh, based on that alone, I think it's, it's easy to say that they didn't get the bill correct. What's the answer? Is it, you know, I know that there's a longstanding idea that cash bail is not fair. Uh, and I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, 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 I'm just a hayseed from downstate who's stuck in the suburbs these days. But is cash bail fair or or have some of the efforts that have been made, like what Bob Berlin talks about, the $30 a day credit for, you know, the, that impacts low level offenders or or even the fact that the Pretrial Fairness Act has had so many more recognizance bonds or or even what can you pay? Is it 50 bucks? Is it 100 bucks? Is it 200 bucks? Has has that made it more equitable from from that regard, even before this law goes into effect? Well, yeah, a couple of things I, you would think so. And I'll, I'll be honest, this isn't exactly my wheelhouse. I certainly depend on former state's attorney Patrick Winhorse when it comes to handling debate on these issues. But I, I, I really tire of the idea that we always need government to fix things. There are millions. I mean, the governor's a billionaire. Start a, start a nonprofit organization. Let's start writing stories about these people and 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 loan a couple hundred bucks to the people that are are in the situation that uh, Senator Peters and the governor talked about. I don't know why government needs to come in and fix this if it's truly a situation of someone's down on their luck and they don't have fifty or hundred or two two hundred dollars. Well, then then a non nonprofit can certainly come in and uh, and help in that situation. I don't think we need to necessarily change all our all of our laws for those rare circumstances. And I, I know we weren't actually scheduled to talk about this, so I appreciate you humoring me a little bit uh, as, as, as since that's kind of what we were talking about in the newsletter today. And I, I talked to Senator Peters this morning. What I did want to talk about were, were kind of some of the uh, legislative and political issues that are still out there. Uh, and 
we were expecting some sort of special session uh, this this summer or or fall, I guess. Now that there's a delay, uh, let's start on the gun side. You know, is there any sort of limit that you or or your fellow Republicans in the legislature could ever get behind to whether it's a, a, an ammunition limit, whether it's a, a magazine size, whether it's an all-out assault weapons ban, which some people support specifically on the left. What could Republicans get behind? You know, it's interesting. Republicans will get behind something that will solve problems. And there's there's a couple sides to the gun debate that I definitely want to hit upon today. When the officer was shot at um, at the Thompson Center, there was a package of, of bills put together uh, into one bill. I think they called it the Bauer Bill. And everything that was in that bill would have done nothing to prevent the tragedy that happened at the Thompson Center. So I think sometimes there's a, a rush when there's something that happens to, to do something, whether or not that something's gonna be effective or not, people wanna have the press release and kind of have the cover. I will say there's already been proposals uh, out there. I have a proposal. Um, I, I, if, if, a, if a parent needs to sign for somebody under the age of, of 21 to get their FOID card and then a firearm, they are civilly liable. I want to add the criminal liability to that. Um, you look at the situation that happened in Highland Park. I know he was over 21 when he um, when he uh, did the shooting, but he got those those weapons when he was, I believe, 19. And the idea that the parent signed the form uh, with no criminal liability just months after after the shooter had threatened to uh, kill his family members, I, th I think there's a, a criminal liability there, not just a civil liability. I also think there's 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 some talk of uh, tweaking the firearm restraining order. I think Representative Wheeler had a press release out with a bill that he's working on in terms of making that a little bit more effective. Um, you, you know, there's been the idea talked about maybe an assault weapons ban up until the age of 21. Um, a lot of these cases are happening with individuals that are, you know, 16, 17 to maybe 22 years old, some of those style shootings. But let's flip to the other side where I get really frustrated with. How about mandatory sentencing for a repeat violent gun defenders? That would have done something in the Bauer case. How about actually getting some of these people off, off, the, off the streets and enforcing the gun laws that we have? So I tire when it comes to the gun violence that's happening in the city or in the state or nationwide. I get tired of only wanting the Democrats to focus on a situation that's like Highland Park while they're ignoring what's happening in the south and west side of Chicago. That's that's incredibly frustrating to me. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because in our, our chat with Robert Peters this morning, who who's obviously far more liberal on 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 the issue than 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 you might be, you know, he he talked about it's not necessarily an individual with a gun problem, even though there are individuals with guns that are being that are perpetrating crimes on a daily basis. You know, he said it's more of an availability in an industry situation. Uh, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that, but, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, that's, it's I mean, come on now, let's, 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 let's go back in time. That's really frustrating here. It's a little bit patronizing. There are parts of the state and parts of this country that have had a gun culture for a long time, and they haven't had crime like they have in the south and west side of Chicago, and they haven't had the type of mass, you know, mass shootings like, like, like we've seen in, in high schools and all those sorts of tragedies. This is a failure of our education system. It's a failure of our social system to have generations after generations of fatherless homes. There's a lot of problems that the Democrats want to ignore, and they only want to talk about the headlines. And, and that's patronizing and frustrating. Do you think there, 
there is a gun problem though at all i mean i i think we have to agree that there is too much availability right uh, and maybe that's more and maybe that's more of a handgun problem because that's what's perpetrating most of the crime that that you're seeing in in the city and and now even in the suburbs on on a weekend weekly basis on the weekends well like i said before there's been there's been availability in different parts of the country in different periods of of our history of 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 guns for a long time but let's start address, addressing the issue are we just going to ignore the issue of individuals who decide that this is a way of life for them I mean, it just the the, the carjackings. We're we just going to ignore that. Are we going to ignore all the petty crimes that happen in the uh, in the in the city of Chicago that lead up to that? Are we going to ignore what's happening? I mean, if anybody follows CWB Chicago or Paul Vallis on, on on Twitter, you see the videos pretty much every night. If certainly certainly every weekend of of mobs of people basically just taking over the streets, people walking into convenience stores and just grabbing whatever they want. I mean, are we going to blame that all just on because there's manufacturers or guns or is the majority party in this state going to take responsibility for the failed social policies, whether it be schools, whether it be our welfare system, whether it be the anti-violence programs that they put together that often line the pockets of, of, of people that, uh, help them politically. I mean, there's a long history of things besides just availability, changing the magazine size of, of what can go into an assault, uh, assault, assault weapon isn't going to solve the problem that's happening on the South and West side. It's a deep problem and it's more than a gun problem. I want to switch really quickly to, to the abortion discussion. Um, you know, there, Illinois is already one of the most available states, liberal states in terms of, of, abortion access in the country. Um, what what do you see as the path even at this point for, for you know, the governor's promise to come back and, and do something pro-abortion uh, or at least pro-abortion rights? Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about, a lot of times we talk about how the, the, the Trump far right has taken over the, the Republican Party, but, but this, on this issue, you know, the governor and, and the Democrats are playing to the far left. So what more can we even or can they even do that, that you would expect to see in the legislature potentially this fall? So uh, I agree with you. We are to the extreme. We are to the extreme of even uh, countries like Russia and China. Um, Western Europe is a lot more conservative. Um than, than Illinois is on, on issues. And in much of Western Europe, after 12 weeks, you're pretty much not able to have an abortion. In Illinois, uh, by our laws, you can have an abortion through nine months of pregnancy, paid for by the taxpayer. And if you're a minor child, you don't even have to tell your parents about it. So we are we are to the far extreme. And I actually asked the exact same question. What um, what possibly could you could you add to this? And one of the one of the answers I received back was they want to um, change the licensure for people who can perform abortions to nurses and not doctors anymore so that there's more providers that could actually uh, do abortions in our state that's that's that is actually the the uh only piece of significant legislation that i've heard about is that they want to make it uh um, they want to lower the standard for people who actually do the actual surgery you know we talk about polling uh a lot you know in 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 this business uh, but I thought it was really telling that, you know, 22% of the state, uh, you know, the 22% of the state is, is essentially for abortion at any time. 15% essentially is, is for no abortion ever. 
and then everyone else is in the middle, whether you're your center right and you're pro-life, but you also understand the need for exceptions or your your pro-choice, you know, maybe center left and 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 don't believe someone should be aborting a child at eight and a half months or 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 whatever extreme circumstance it might be. Why has the middle been completely lost in this <laughs> Yeah, the middle's been lost on most discussions. I mean, you look at the criminal justice bill, you look at the gun legislation, I think the middle's been lost. The middle's been lost because you win your elections in the primary. So you, you have to you have to cater to the far left or you have to cater to the far right. And 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 uh you look at uh Mike Zaleski basically lost his reelection. He's been a you know pretty much voting solidly Democrat, like you would expect a Democrat to vote. He took one, I wouldn't even call it a moderate uh, uh, vote on, on abortion, you know, keeping the parental notice in place. And he basically lost his election over it. So the person that's going to come in and replace him is going to be somebody that's going to be to the extreme left on abortion. So, so on abortion and guns and, and other issues, you, you just have, you just have everybody pushes to the fringes. And it, it's, 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 it's disappointing because as you said, the vast majority of the people are pro-life with exceptions or pro-choice with exceptions, which basically in a way means the exact same thing. It's just where on the spectrum you are. Um, the vast majority of people are, are, are somewhere in the middle, but as long as we have gerrymandering, as long as uh, uh, you win your election by winning the primary, you're going to, you're going to elect people at the state level and at the federal level that are not going to be best representative of the broad swath of society. Interesting you bring up primaries, Representative. Uh, Mark Baddock joins us. Um, your your party has nominated the most conservative candidate for governor, at least in our lifetimes, probably in a century. Is Darren Bailey killing suburban Republicans with his doubling down on, on silly comments and frustrating way that he's he's run his campaign thus far is the biggest vulnerability here the fact that he could take down suburban republicans with him well i think every candidate is their own candidate but obviously the top of the ticket um changes things and i i, I think the the this is a battlefield that um senator bailey isn't used to senator bailey has never really had to play to the middle he hasn't had to play to a suburban crowd and obviously all the districts are very much individually different and he's run his uh, gubernatorial race. The, the the Republican primary electorate in Illinois doesn't quite match his district, what his district would be in a general election, but it's much closer than um, what a general, you know, what a general election in his district is versus a general election in a statewide election. So he could kind of, he can plan and kind of play the same tune in uh, the Republican primary with help from some outside groups, including Governor Pritzker. Um, he could kind of play the same tune and that would work in a Republican primary. I think he's going to have to learn to play a little bit differently to understand um, a general, like I wouldn't even say a suburban voter, but just a, just a general election voter. Well, I've said he's doing, he seems to be doing a great job running for governor of Southern Illinois. You know, it's, it's not a message that's plain to the seven and a half million people that live in Cook, Lake, DuPage and, and Will counties. Sure. And, I, and, you know, I think some of the issues that a mandatory minimum for violent gun offenders, it isn't a hard thing to say. and it, it, it isn't off of his platform. But I think there's some some nuanced things like that that he needs to focus on in order to um, pull in that uh, suburban voter is a broad term. I don't even want to use moderate voter. 
Um, I don't consider myself a moderate at all. I think I'm, I think I'm more of a true conservative. Um, I'm a tr- tough on crime guy. Um, and you know, there's those types of voters exist. They're sprinkled throughout the state. They're just not in the suburbs. Now, how, how much it affects actual legislative races probably does play out a little bit more, um, in the suburbs, but when you're running statewide, you know, you need to pick up your handful of votes everywhere. There's, there's, there's going to be that type of voter in every County across the state, whether it be a small town, a big town, or, or some, or somewhere in between, whether you're in Bloomington or Taylorville or, um, Cairo or, you know, you name it, there are going to be people that are going to be looking for some, something that's a little bit different than what you were playing as a, as a rep, a Senator, and then in the gubernatorial primary. What can Republicans do in your opinion in this state to become relevant again, whether it's, it's a super minority in the house and Senate, whether it's, it's being wiped out in, in legislative races, uh, or, uh, statewide constitutional races, you know, the congressional delegation, the, the two U.S. Senate seats are, are have, have both been Democrats since 2017. What what does what does your party have to do to make itself relevant again? Yeah, I think we need to we as a party need to start focusing. And, and we have been. I know the, the House Republicans have the reimagine Illinois uh, money is obviously always an issue in terms of getting our message out. But. Frankly, I think when, when, when you look at, let's take the Reimagine Illinois platform, um, when you look at that, I think that's more in tune with the people across the entire state of Illinois want versus what's kind of being, being dictated to them by pretty far left Chicago legislature, l- legislators. So uh, parental notification is a winning issue for us. People think that they should know if their daughter is having a surgery. Um, I, I, I think the public probably doesn't doesn't uh, appreciate a lot of the decriminalization stuff that's been happening, um, whether it be the the increased taxes um, or little things like voting from, you know, going out of your way to make sure people in jail have an easy way to vote, but not doing the same for for people who find themselves in the hospital. I mean, I think there's all those sorts of little things that we can focus on that actually hit, hit home and, and, and affect people um, on an individual basis. Um, I, I think we really need to do a better job of highlighting the extremism of what's coming out of, of, of the Capitol for the last four years. Before we let you go, Mark, uh, you're leaving us at the end of this term. I uh, chose not to, to seek uh, another, uh, another term, uh, eight years in the legislature. Uh, one, are you going to miss it? And two, uh, any advice for those that, that come after or, or will still be there as to how to maybe do better. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely will miss it. I'll miss the people uh, more than, more than anything else. It w- it's been an, an honor to serve. It's been a, a great ride. Um, the, the piece of advice I would, uh, would say, I'm actually going to steal something, a couple, one thing from Kelly Cassidy, she said, watch the roller coaster. Don't ride it. Every little thing isn't, isn't a big deal. You have to kind of stand back and, and watch the ride instead of being part of it. And then just focus on, Focus on, on on solving problems and and uh, as opposed to throwing red meat. I know sometimes because of these gerrymandered districts, throwing the red meat is what gets you elected. But you need to spend the bulk of your time of actually coming up with solutions to these problems instead of just things that sound good. Uh, focus on things that actually do good. Representative Mark Batnick. Representative, thanks for the time. Hopefully we'll uh, continue chatting uh, even even in or, or past the House. Uh, you know, we're always going to appreciate your perspective. Thanks so much.
Thank you for having me on. Take care. Democrats are having Governor's Day at the State Fair uh, today as we speak. They had their Democrat uh, county chairman's breakfast this morning at the Bank of Springfield Center. And uh, all of the uh, Democratic statewide elected officials, notable people and dignitaries uh, gave gave their uh, pointed speeches. And, and uh, they're having a small unity event at the director's lawn. And then instead of a political rally, they're having a concert by a country act named Chris Young. Uh, so a different way that Democrats will do uh, their day at the state fair today. Uh, Republicans will be a lot more traditional tomorrow uh, with their rally at the director's lawn at noon. All right, joined now on the phone by Ted McClelland. He is a writer for Chicago Magazine, uh, has some opinions uh, that sometimes Ted make my my blood boil occasionally. <laughs> let's uh, let's start with your newest piece on Darren Bailey. Okay. Uh, he, he, you used the the Eric Greitens commercial, the Rhino Hunters thing, which is maybe indicative of where the Republican Party is today. But uh, what did you find when when you looked into who Darren Bailey is and what he stands for? Well, I went to his last rally before the primary it was in Des Plaines and uh I found that the and I was there too so I didn't even see him sorry about oh that. you were there okay uh I found that his followers were as angry at the Republican Party the Republican establishment as they were uh at J.B. Pritzker um they they felt like the Republicans had uh compromised uh with the Democrats on guns, on abortion, on, on taxes. You know, he was railing, Bailey was railing against Republican legislatures who work with Pritzker to uh, double the state's uh, gas tax. And uh, one of the, one of the, uh, and, and a lot of them were specifically calling out uh, Jim Durkin, who's the leader of the House Republican Party, who had voted for the gas taxes, you know, a, a rhino, a Republican in name only, and somebody that they wanted to get rid of uh, if Bailey becomes governor. And then I, I talked to a, a gentleman named Dave Smith. He's from Illinois Family Action. Uh, it's a very conservative, uh, traditional values pack and uh, uh, he basically said, you know, there, there, there's been this long string of moderate Republican governors, Jim Thompson, Jim Edgar, George Ryan, Bruce Rauner. And he basically said that none of them could win the party's nomination today because they're all pro-choice. And, and I think a lot, a lot of people really felt stabbed in the back by Rauner after he um, signed a bill to expand public funding of abortion. Uh, as Dave Smith said, you know, we're not going to compromise with the pro-aborts anymore. So compromise is out and conviction is in as mr smith told me the the parties are polarizing the the re democrats are getting more liberal and the republicans are are getting more conservative and i think you can you could certainly see that i mean look at the uh you know the illinois democrats passed i i think probably one of the most um permissive abortion laws in in the country and then next door in indiana you have one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country Mm -hmm. It it it's interesting that you know I I used to think that the mainstream of the party the and you know I've I've worked Republican campaigns you know 2012 2014 2016 2018 2020 so I mean I've been around the 
I've been around the block and, mm -hmm. and it used to be that even pro-life Republicans would be willing to quote unquote, hold their nose for a uh -huh. pro-choice Republican. Mark Kirk yeah. is a great example right? because they want to win. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems as if the, the Republican electorate has thrown the baby out with the bathwater and no longer cares to win. Well, Bailey says he, that he would not seek to overturn abortion. I mean, but I think that that's a matter of well, he knows he doesn't have the votes. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and but but then but then he went on to say, you know, banning abortion is not the answer. We need to create a culture of life, but that's a political necessity. He said that there aren't the votes to do that in the general assembly. I'm sure if it were, it, it, you know, if he could rule by fiat, he would. I mean, I think he said once that he would want a 12 year old to have an abortion, even if she was raped. So, um, but they had, I, you know, I, I think that in politics has really been nationalized. Um, that, you know, the entire Republican Party is under the thrall of Trump, who, uh, who endorsed Bailey. And, uh, you know, a MAGA Republican in Illinois is like a MAGA Republican in, in Alabama. There used to be a time when, you know, you could have conservative Democrats in the South and, and liberal Republicans in the North, but that time seems to have passed. It, it does seem as if the far right and the far left have kind of taken over the two parties. Right. You know, I, I look at the abortion polling, you know, that shows two thirds of, of the electorate in the state is somewhere in the middle, either right. some restrictions or or some, you know, some exceptions, and, and, et cetera. And I think that, you know, Bailey's at least political position may be actually closer to the middle because, you know, the, the Reproductive Health Act says that uh, a fetus has no rights in Illinois up to the time of birth, which I think is probably uh, one of the extremes that, one of the positions that, as you said, a lot of people would find extreme. Well, I mean, we have a nine month old at home, you know, and I've yeah. told the story that, you know, I was, I was generally pretty agnostic on, yeah. on, on a lot of these issues. And then you hear that heartbeat the first time, right? Boy, oh boy, does that change, change your mind as to yeah. what is a life and what is real and, and what needs to be protected. So, and, and I, you know, and I think that, you know, it's, he would say, I say, you know, too much in radio interviews, sorry, but people may, may have, uh, legitimate um, misgivings about Illinois becoming, a, you know, an abortion mm -hmm. capital or abortion destination for the, for the entire country. So I, I don't think either party is, as you said, at the middle where most of the public is. Ted, Ted McClellan from Chicago Magazine joins us. Ted, what's the, what's the feeling among Chicago types, voters, regular people, regular Joes, when they see a guy like Darren Bailey? Well, I, I just think there's such a cultural disconnect between Bailey and, and Chicago. I, I, I don't think anybody south of I-72 can get elected to a statewide office in Illinois anymore. I mean, Bailey is a real genuine Southerner. You know, he loves guns. He doesn't want to wear a mask. He was going on and on about how he didn't want a mask. I mean, that, that's what all the Pritzker suck signs I saw downstate were all about. Where, oh, yeah. You know, the guys who, the guy, people who didn't want to, want to wear masks. Um, I mean, he seems like an appealing person. You know, he takes his wife everywhere with him and, you know, he's a farmer and, uh, but I, you know, I, I, he's, he's a Southerner and this is not a Southern, this is a Northern, uh, a Northern city. I, I think it may be shocking to some people in Chicago that, that there are people who, who think that way and live that way in the state of Illinois. 
you know, you, you did a piece on his drawl recently uh, and, um, you know, I, I, oh, he, I says, he says, Illinois. Well, Lisa Madigan said Illinois. So that's, okay. I don't think that's necessarily a, a an in, indicative thing on location, but, right. but he, you know, I, I think it's clear that there are cultural influences that are, are different and and you know southern illinois has a more southern influence you know right people who came up from the south exactly settled in southern indiana southern illinois like my family came from germany in 1868 and landed in the middle of the state okay uh, hence my non-regional diction uh and then obviously you know the city is a, a melting pot so but but when you hear those those the the sound of that voice and i i you know, I, oh, yeah, it, they doesn't think mean as, it doesn't mean as much to me just because I'm a downstater growing right. up, but, but it's definitely a cultural shock here. Yeah. They, they, they think he's a hayseed. Mm -hmm. Is, is, is there a, is there a, is there an arrogance to, to Chicago voters who think we're better than downstate? I don't know if it's, uh, well, Chicago voters don't think they're better than downstate because Chicago voters don't think about downstate. Let's put it that way. Uh, I, I don't think there's an it's so much an arrogance as it's it's just a different a different way of life. Um, and you know the suburbs now have allied themselves with Chicago uh, politically, and as we know, uh, in Illinois elections are won and lost in the suburbs. You know, as the Republican Party has adopted this sort of uh you know right wing uh, ideology nationwide uh it's, it's really turned off a lot of the suburbs and as as uh daniel biss who's now the mayor of evanston said you know one one of the big issues that led a lot of suburbanites to abandon their republican loyalties was abortion ted mccullough from chicago magazine ted thanks so much for the time thank you patrick all right. Thanks to Ted McClellan for taking time uh, to join us. Uh, we taped that a little bit earlier today and uh, had a good conversation with him. You can find his stuff in Chicago Magazine. Uh, some of it makes me a little crazy, admittedly, uh, you know, as, as he and I are kind of on uh, different sides of the street, but uh, definitely uh, good stuff to, to read uh, when you can. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Drop us to your align with what you're interested in, what you want to hear, anyone you want us to talk to, any thoughts you want to share. We'll protect your identity and only use first names and, and funny emails and things like that. Uh, drop us a line at mailbag at theillinois.com. Uh, we'd love to, to hear your thoughts and share those uh, as we can uh, as we do this show each week. Uh, we won't be here next week. Uh, I've got to travel for business, uh, so we'll skip next week and be back uh, on August 31st here on the Illinois.com. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Have a great day.